You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. I know we're getting ready to transition and, and send some people... Some people go to the kids' room. Right before you do, just give me two minutes. I feel like I was just supposed to pray into something that <clears throat> the worship team just um, stirred up. And um, I felt like there was an upgrade of love in the room today. And I felt like that it was going to come through something that may seem may seem familiar to some of you. and may seem, <clears throat> maybe, hopefully you'll understand it. Um, <clears throat> I think you will. But... Uh, there's things that go on in the subconscious that are like pop-up windows that we don't necessarily, they're not, uh, we're not thinking about them, um, but they're still uh, drawing data uh, from, from us and, and causing us to live and think ultimately in, in particular ways. And I felt like that Holy Spirit was like, uh, there's going to be a scrubbing of the subconscious today of things that don't need to be there any longer. <clears throat> And I was thinking about that this morning as the first time I ever thought it. And I thought, well, this is just for me. You know, this is good for me. And um, then I got here and it was in worship. I'm like, oh, okay, this may be for the rest of us. Because I feel like when this takes place, when the, the scrubbing of the subconscious takes place, that there's an upgrade of, in our thinking, which will ultimately call, cause a greater demonstration of love through us. Because that's what it's all about. Right? Love is the foundation. Love is, is it. It's the, it's the beginning. It's the end. It's everything in between. And it looks a lot of different ways. <clears throat> but it's the driving force or is to be the driving force behind all that we do in the kingdom. All that we do as sons and daughters of God. We've been invited into his love to be loved, become love, and reciprocate love to the world around us. <clears throat> and so, Father, I just I thank you so much. This miraculous uh, scrubbing of the subconscious, only you could do something like this. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you for uh, enforcing what you have, uh, I believe you've said that you want to do this morning for every person that's here, every person that's watching or watches this. Um, I'm sure that at least most of us could use it. I know I can. And so thank you for eliminating those things that have been going on in the background, our subconscious, that we don't even, we haven't known we're still there. Thought patterns and process, uh, processing or things that we haven't completely processed or that have just been lodged back there. <clears throat> Stuff that we brought into the kingdom with us. Yeah, memories that have been back there lodged. We thank you for bringing, for just scrubbing them. <laughs> I don't I was going to say heal them, but I feel like it's just eliminating stuff. And so thank you for rewriting our history the way that you did Sarah's. <laughs> yeah, thank you for rewriting it. Yeah, right now, thank you for this upgrade in your extravagant love that you've called us to um, give away to the world. Yeah, thank you. 
we just we just say yes to what you're doing in this moment, what you want to do, even if it we don't quite comprehend it. As long as it's you, I can always get with it. So thank you for this. Yeah, we thank you. So we've been singing. Your body, the wine of your blood have made these things possible that we become new creations. <laughs> Especially at our beliefs. So thank you for this upgrade of love that's going to affect our beliefs and cause us to operate at a whole new level of love. team and give this these ladies and this guy a hand for being amazing <clears throat> anytime Aaron does communion I don't know if I'm ever going to make it up to <laughs> speak just does such a great job of embodying what intimacy actually looks like in a life, you know? You can always tell when somebody, when, when somebody models intimacy when nobody's looking, because <laughs> that's when it really matters. If I get on fa my face before you in worship, you know, when we're all here together, but I don't uh, do it at home, I, I might have things turned around, right? <clears throat> And so uh, I can always tell it's just great, you know, it's released in the room and a bunch of powerful people in the room worshiping Jesus, and it's just a good time. Get rid of one extra device I don't need at the moment. <laughs> oh, wow. It's left me with all kinds of time. So <clears throat> hopefully I'll get through this list. Some of you know that I've been trying to, been working my way through my list of practical things that lead us deeper in intimacy and ultimately cause us to become, become love because by believing better, and I'll go through that in a minute, <clears throat> and I really have great intentions of getting through that list today. I've tried it two Sundays, and um, I didn't intend for it to turn into a sermon series, at least not a planned one, um, but, <laughs> but that's, you know, I, it's above my pay grade to make those decisions. <clears throat> so, I do have some testimonies for you before we start. So, we went to the Greenwood Pride Festival yesterday. It was the first Greenwood Pride Festival that they've ever had. And it was kind of an impromptu in the sense that they scheduled it about two weeks ago. They decided they were going to do this. It was the same place they have. Any of y'all ever been to the Freedom Festival over in Greenwood? It's <clears throat> So, it's by the... Ballpark, uh, community center, police stations, kind of in that area in Greenwood. Uh, what I call what I call Old Town Greenwood, which I, I really love. <clears throat> so they said there were about three thousand people that showed up yesterday, which was which was amazing. You know, we we've got an opportunity. You can you can get uh, you can get angry about things that are happening in your city that you may not particularly like or feel good about or. 
but you know what? They're probably going to happen anyway, and then you're just going to be angry, and it's probably not going to change anybody's life, maybe change yours, not in a great way. Or you can go out and actually love people, right? It's, um, I, if, if I don't have a solution to, to something that I'm getting ready to speak into, then personally, this is what I'm doing for myself. Like, I, I'm, I'm withholding my uh, criticism. <laughs> like, if I don't have a solution, you're like, well, you know, so I'm... I want to be a solution. <clears throat> I, want, I want to, and there, there is always a solution. And if my brain believes that, it will always search for one. It's like a search engine. You put something in Google, uh, regardless of what it is, something's going to come up, right? Good, bad, or weird, right? You put something in Google, it's gonna, you're going to get some kind of result. Well, our brains are, are, in a sense, like that. They're like a search engine. So we're always looking for solutions, and I believe that the um, start of everything. We believe that the start of everything is love and the ending of everything is love. <clears throat> and it's also what covers everything in between. So pride festivals have actually, we've been doing them. Lindsay and I first went in 2015 in Indianapolis. Indie Pride, which they, for pandemic and actually before they started charging a few years ago <clears throat> for the event, <clears throat> they'd average anywhere from eighty to 100,000 people. You know, they've been doing pride festivals since the 80s. Like, this isn't, this isn't new. And um, I, I got invited to do them uh, with uh, Joni and Jim Nelson. Dave Knoll actually got Lindsay and I uh, involved. And my gosh, it was the most stretching, uh, life-altering event that we've ever done. And now it's become our favorite. And so we personally feel called to love people who aren't getting a proper demonstration of love in their lives, regardless of who that is. And that doesn't mean they have to be the LGBTQ. I think they've added IA plus to it now. But I'm just going to say the five letters because seven's too much for me. So bear with me. And uh, it's not just their community. It's like all people. Like I just ran into a um, young lady at a restaurant the other day, and I'm not, she might have been in her early 20s. And... <clears throat> You know, me and a friend, I was trying to <clears throat> empower this young man. Sorry. I was trying to empower this young man to see healing. He's a young man I get to mentor and father in ways. And um, she declined prayer because she felt uncomfortable and then went on to explain that she had church PTSD. <laughs> For real. She'd been hurt, traumatized by an organization that some of you know and love. And um, because when you multiply, when you, like, any organization that gets global, you can't manage every person that's involved in it, right? <clears throat> so everybody your core values. And so it's like those kind of people we feel drawn to. We want to, and a lot of you, like, we, if our, I said, hey, raise your hand if you've had, you've been hurt by religion. Uh, I'd probably 75 or 85% of you would raise your hand, right? <clears throat> so I abhor and hate the spirit of religion. Not the religious organization, if you're confused with that. The spirit behind it that actually hurts people. <sighs> My gosh, it's, it's messed up. And I feel like that one of our uh, privileges and assignments is to destroy uh, the works of religion everywhere we go. The works of the spirit of religion. 
I'll explain some other time. Religion relationship, I think you guys all get it. There's a difference between the two. And so going to these festivals is one of those opportunities. And we go uh, incognito. <laughs> we are undercover. You know, I have a, a friend that was, was telling some people about the, the festival. And um, because they know us and they know that, you know, we pastor and we have revival ministries. I said, hey, if they show up, you know, have their friends come to our tent. But uh, don't tell them don't blow our cover. <laughs> like what I was saying was like, don't, don't, don't tell them that we're Christians. Because we don't lead with that. All right? So when we go to these festivals, we, we, give, uh, we give prophetic words that we call spiritual readings. And we, <laughs> we, we, they're prophetic words, but we call them spiritual readings there to sound new agey. You know, we use different language. And then we uh, do dream interpretation and, and physical healing. So the other two are, I mean, they are what, they're, what the Bible says they are. Um, but the world believes in those things, right? Some of the church doesn't, but the, but the world believes, but the world does. <laughs> and so we had, for five hours from, I don't, this keeps, does this keep cutting out? <laughs> it may be fine. I think my shirt was uh, maybe messing with uh, the antenna. So, so they were open from noon to five. We actually got a booth this time. Like the last few years, we went to Pride festivals. We've actually walked around with. Actually, one year we walked around with signs. The other year we just walked around and kind of you you see somebody and ask them, Hey, do you, you want a spiritual reading or dream interpretation or, you know. A few of you are uncomfortable right now, but that's good. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but this time we had a boot, like first time we've personally ever had boot space. We jumped on board fast, you know, this is, this was all miraculous. You know, I, Lindsay saw it on a garage sale site. Like it wasn't even supposed to be on there. She screenshotted it, sent it to me and said, hey, it looks like Greenwood's having a pride festival. This was two weeks ago. I immediately messaged them and said, hey, can we get booth space? They said, I will send you an application. Took care of it, got booth space. They said, what do you do? I told them what we do. Been coming to Pride Festivals since 2015. Um, Just come in there to offer free, all free, like God's love. And so from noon, from the very beginning of it, because when you go to one of these things, you're like, yeah, for the first few years we had a church, it was the same way. Like, I don't know how many people are going to show up. <laughs> you still don't know ever how many people are going to show up to anything you do. And so you're kind of nervous, and you, know, you put in the work, and we had volunteers that we, we hand-select, and we actually didn't have time to do training this year, so we, we literally hand-selected volunteers that have been through our training before. And next year, they have it again, we'll, we'll actually do some training uh, again. And so from noon to five, we had a line of 20 to 25 people out the, out the door all five, all five hours. The, the, one of the organizers of the event was next door to us in a tent, and at the end she said, uh, I believe you guys won for most people at your booth. <laughs> I'm like, 
<laughs> you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the goal, like winning something, but... Um, so I'll give you just a few of the quick testimonies. And it's, my gosh, it's, it's life-changing for me every time I go. I mean, literally life-changing. There's so many moments yesterday that, got, that I call got real. Like encouragement and the prophetic, you know, it's, it's edifying, encouraging. It builds you up. But then there's some moments, some privileged moments where Jesus trusts you with like privileged information. You get to see behind the curtain of somebody's life. And I had a handful of those moments yesterday where people got inner healing, um, you know, from trauma. And my gosh, experienced peace when they were being tormented. And, you know, actually experienced peace and all they could do before that was worry. Um, it was, it was amazing. And then we saw, um, we saw miracles. My gosh, there were, uh, a few of our friends saw a tumor literally dissolve by the friend praying for the one that needed the tumor to dissolve. We did this over half the time, had the person that was with them, if they were with somebody else, had them pray for them. Let this mess with your theology. So... Uh, the majority of those people that I'm aware of, no, they weren't saved that we were having pray for the person that needed healing. Of course, technically, the disciples weren't either, but they were operating underneath the covering of Jesus, right? So they could have been operating under the covering of us. We look at it that way. I don't know. I, I, I don't even try to understand it anymore. I don't. That's the, see that line? See that line all the way to the tent? What happened to it? <laughs> I'm like, nobody sees it. I don't see it. That line all the way to our tent <clears throat> is the way it was all day. So a tumor dissolved. There was a, there was a young lady who had two, two uh, toes screwed. They were screwed together through the bone because they were broken, messed up. And then she was able to move her toes and no pain. And she's like, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. We're like... You know, the people that were with her were like, the screw's probably not there. Those screws probably aren't there anymore. <laughs> so don't freak out when you go to the doctor and they're not there. <clears throat> there was only one person that I'm aware of, and it was a young lady who had a little bit of tremors that did not receive healing, 100% healing. Every, uh, the rest of them, it was like 99% of the people all received full healing of, of things that we could test right there pain, legs leg shift out, husband, husband and wife that prayed for one another, alignment issues, you know, both healed, his husband had been in a car wreck, back pain completely gone. Another young lady who had, was super skeptical, came in with her sister and her niece and empowered her niece who was like, she might have been six or seven. Was there a grand... Well... Yeah, the sisters. So it was a niece of the lady, Sam. It was Sam and another lady. So had them pray for two times, back pain completely gone. The doctor said, doctor's like, we can't figure out what's wrong with you except for we know you got nerve damage in your neck. That's it. And then she's like, couldn't do this. Bends down, touched her toes. She's like, haven't been able to do that for six months. I'm like, she's like, I don't have any pain. So I'm like, come on, Jesus. So many. I mean, we've logged testimonies, like Nikki said earlier. 
I mean, they're still coming in. So a lot of them are audio, and people are transcribing them, and i got to transcribe some of mine. Uh, I'll give you one last one before I te- start teaching. Um, there was a young man who came into the tent, and it was uh, just Jeff and I. He came in by himself, and he'd had this dream some weeks ago and couldn't shake it. Like, we asked people, have you had a reoccurring dream? You know, sometimes that, that's saying something or similar dreams that, you know, if you come in for a dream interpretation, he's like, yeah. Well, he's like, it's not reoccurring, but I can't shake this dream. Had it a few weeks ago. He's like, here it is. There were angels in my dream. There were demons in my dream. And there was the devil in my dream. And I was wearing a cross. <clears throat> and he said, the angel spoke to me and said, you know what the cross is for. As a statement, not a question. He's like, I don't know what it means, but I can't shake it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is too easy. <laughs> so gave him an interpretation to it, and he's like, whoa, you know, um, encountered love, uh, in, encountered peace, and then um, you may not understand. You may not understand this, and this is okay. But our agenda when we go to these events is like. My agenda is not to get them to give their life to Jesus. My, my agenda is to get them to encounter Jesus and know that he, that he loves them, right? Like, fully loves them, fully accepts them. I know that word may mean different things to you than it does to me, but that means that, like, lo- love is like, hey, I love you. I'm not holding you at a distance. No matter what you do in your life right now, no matter what you're doing, I love you. Like, I love you. And so, but this young man, it was just felt right. It was the only person all day that it felt right. And I said, hey, you, you want to know this Jesus that, that, just, that you just encountered? He's like, yes. So he, you know, gets born again and um, just beautiful. You know, that's, there's two times, last two times we've been, we've seen people born again. And that's a rarity because our goal is, here's the disclaimer that we give people. Like, we don't tell them we're Christians a lot of people I told yesterday, I say, well, hey, we're part of underground movement and Jesus followers who love. Because <clears throat> we don't use, often don't use the word, I, uh, we've told people, and Nikki said this yesterday as a reminder, like don't tell people you're a Christian at this event. Like why? Because people don't have a problem with Jesus, they have a problem with Christians. I can't tell you how many people that we, <laughs> this messes me up, that ran, we ran into that had been kicked out of the church because of the lifestyle, had been hurt by, by the church or by, by religion. It's not the church as a whole, not the body of Christ, you know, big C body of Christ. And um, I'm just like, man, I'm so, we're, we apologize on numerous occasions. We're so sorry they didn't love you well, right? And, and so we tell them as a disclaimer, hey, after they get the accurate word, we don't even use, I, I don't know about anybody else, but when I had them pray for one another, I just have them say, be healed, pain leave, spirit of peace come, healing come, leg grow, back be healed, right? Stuff like that, and not even use Jesus' name. Because you know Jesus' name isn't something you just tag on the end of a prayer. When he says, do everything in my name, he's mean embody the oneness that we have and actually live from that. Don't just put it on there like it's going to be, you know, uh, like it's granting you what you want. <laughs> it's, not, it's not supposed to be the magic words. It's the authority that we actually embody of the King of Kings 
that everywhere we go, everything that's it's created from darkness and out of that kingdom has to bow to our king that we're one with. <laughs> and so then at the end, we're like, hey, you know this accurate information, this dream interpretation, this healing that you receive, this love that you feel, this peace that you got, this inner healing that you got, you know how you feel right now? I'd ask some people, like, feels good in here, doesn't it? And they're like, yeah, feels good in here. I'm like, that's love. And so we tell them, we're like, all this stuff that was accurate and the healing you got all came from Jesus. We don't know what you've heard about him, but he loves you. Like, he loves you, just like the sign says, free out there. It's, it's free. No strings attached. Just want you to know that he loves you. If you don't remember anything else today, remember that. Oh. Enjoy your day. Like, that's, that's, that's it. Because love leaves, the, leaves a mark on people, right? Because my responsibility is not to bring change to their life. Like, I don't have the ability to do that. <laughs> have you ever tried to manage somebody else's life besides your own? My gosh, it's exhausting. <clears throat> so, <laughs> I thought, we'll just love them and empower them and say, look, oh, when you allow God to love you, just... Just talk to him like a friend. Not even saying, you know, and like I said, 99.9% .9 of the time, not even saying inviting you into a relationship with him. I'm inviting you into a conversation with love and hopefully breaking down, destroying lies of what you've believed or been told about him so that you'll start a conversation with him. When you're looking for truth, you'll find out truth as a person. You know, look at all the Muslims on Ramadan that go to Ramadan and look for, every year, they're looking for truth. Who they run into? Jesus, because he is the truth. <laughs> he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so they run into him, just looking for truth. It's pretty good, right? My gosh, it relieves a lot of pressure from evangelism. I was like, it's not my job. It's my job to love them. Isn't that good? Makes it easier. So I want to give you some of these, and I'm going to, I think Anna's even got some. Rachel and Anna have, have worked together to get some of these up on the, the screen, and I'll get to them in just a second. But <laughs> my gosh, I'm, I'm glad I'm in a room full of people who, who, aren't religious, you know? It feels good to know that we can operate outside of this imaginary box that some people put God in and say, well, if it doesn't look like this, doesn't sound like this, then it must not be Him. How naive would I be to think that God was that small to do things that sound just like Christianese all the time that the world doesn't even get? Like, most of the church doesn't even get it. Like, come give prophetic words to 75% of the church and tell them that the anointing of Issachar, or the sons of Issachar, was upon them. And, and I've got that word. I couldn't tell you how many times. And I know what it means because I looked it up in the Bible, but I didn't know what it meant before that. I know times, and, you know, you'll know times and seasons. You say that to somebody in the church, most of them would know what that means, right? How many of you would have known what that meant if I told you, Right? It's, it's like, it's language that we use. We, I un, I've, done, I've unintentionally 
limited myself at times because I'm so used to prophesying in the church and ministering within the church because it's part of what I'm called to do is to equip the body. And by that, I brought limitation on my own life. So going to events like this and doing events like this, it actually stretches us and teaches us that there's so much more. Cindy McGill has a, a, a book that Dave Knoll just shared with me. It's called Words That Work. And Cindy McGill does, have you ever heard of Burning Man? <laughs> they were, they've been working Burning Man for like 20 years. It's like, if you, you know what it is, you, you, you know what's up. But it's crazy out in the desert for like, I don't know, three, four, five days. <laughs> Just madness mixed with drugs <laughs> and naked people <laughs> everywhere, right? It's just, and they have a tent, and they've seen so many people set free, come into encounters with love, get healed, you know, get born again. I mean, tons and tons and tons of people. So if you're interested in learning to change your language and being more relatable to the world and not just the church, that's a, that might be a good book um, and good training. Well, good training. You don't have to go to a festival or Burning Man to use that language. You know, you can just go out to Walmart or Kroger. <laughs> Words that work. Cindy McGill. So here it is. We were created to burn is what I've been talking about. Complacency is one of our greatest enemies as Christians. I don't know about you, but complacency has only ever set into my personal life when things were going really well. Like it's, it's when I seemingly will set the cruise control or take my foot off the gas, the figurative gas of the Christian life. And it's actually when, when I should be pressing in for more. It actually should cause me to be hungrier, but unintentionally at times for me, I don't know about you, but it's actually caused me to, to be like, oh, it's just, this is good. I'm just going to rest in this. And God's saying, yeah, it is good. Rest while you long for more, because I'm inviting you into the more. Remember the vision? I, I, some of you have, have heard me say this before. And Jesus walked into the room, and this is when he just destroyed performance mentality off of my life. And he said, he said, if you never give another prophetic word, never preach another sermon, never see another sick person healed, never drive out another demon, he said, I'll love you just the same. He was letting me know, I don't love you based on what you do for me. Like, I just love, my love's unchanging for you. It's unconditional. God's never going to love us more than he loves us right now in this moment. More than he loved us before the foundation of the world when he saw us in his heart and chose us. <laughs> Not thought about chosen us, like really chose us. So, <clears throat> he followed it up with, but I love you so much that I'm going to continually invite you into the more every day. And the invitation wasn't like, you know, it was like it came from Jesus. <laughs> it was like, I can't believe you're not taking this invitation. Like, you know, have you ever got mad at somebody because they didn't, you know, want to come to your event or party or, I mean, not since you've been a Christian. I know you, you guys are all righteous and holy now, so <laughs> you don't get angry anymore. <laughs> Where you're like, I can't believe they didn't, you know what I mean? Jesus isn't like that, and his invitation to me wasn't like that. He was like, look, this is just, it's just going to be here. I'm just, it's, this is what it is. This is a better way to say it. I'm wooing you into more. You know that song, Reckless Love? 
Have you heard it before? Anybody saw, heard Reckless Love? Like, I'll, I'll climb up any mountain, uh, light up any darkness, kick down any door. I think I got the majority of it. And so I used to think about that song as, well, that's what he did to actually get me into a place where I accepted his love. But then he reminded me of the other day, he said, you know, good husbands never stop pursuing their bride. And so that song, that reckless love song is not just for before, it's actually for every day after into eternity that I will be pursuing you with reckless love because that's what good husbands do. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that feels, that's, that's Jesus. <clears throat> and so he's always inviting us into the more, and this is what I believe for. It's this, there's a much larger wave of revival that's coming um, that will result in re- reformation. I believe that's what's on God's heart is reformation. Like, I don't believe it's ever been on his, his ever sole intention for us to have meetings that turn into revival meetings that only benefit the church. Even though I know those are good and I'm down for that, I want it to get crazy and, you know, the things that we call actually revival lifestyle to happen all the time, and they do. But if they don't result in reformation in our cities, then I'm not entirely sure how much good they do, right? I know that they do good, but I believe that on God's mind, he's like, I've got, I had a plan for Greenwood before the foundation of the world. And I've put you here in this place to fall in love with me as you receive my love for you and then for you to go out and change, not through domination, but actually through servanthood to your city. That's good, isn't it? That's, that, that's what, so that's what I believe is happening. It's, it's Jesus. It's reformation. Uh, and those, this big wave that's coming, I believe these principles that I'm sharing will help us to, and it's not an exhaustive list, will help us to actually catch the wave. Because those that get hit by the wave will get to enjoy what's happening, but those that, that actually catch the wave and are properly prepared for it by a positioning of our hearts, and particularly our belief systems, will get to ride the wave, which means that we'll get to enjoy it and also get, help, get to help steward it. And that's my goal. If you want to just enjoy it, that's great. God's good with that. Like I said, His love doesn't change. But I personally want to enjoy it while helping steward it and, and be a part of this reformation throughout the nations of the world because that's, that's what we're passionate about. He said disciple nations, and I thought, I probably ought to listen. So, <laughs> all of these principles that I, I've, I've shared with you and will share with you are to result in us becoming love as I believe better. Because principles outside of intimacy will only be religious duty. And I just do them because I think that's what makes me a good Christian. Well, all of us or almost all of us have probably done that and found out that it leaves us pretty empty. Like it's just Christian gymnastics that God's not impressed with. He doesn't want our stuff like He wants us in intimacy. And these principles that I'm sharing, actually all at the foundation of them, will transform our minds. And the more that our minds are transformed, the better our beliefs get, the more we actually become love. Because when I believe better, then you see it through my actions. It's not do better, try harder, 
but it's actually, it's actually believe better, and then my actions change. <laughs> See that spit bubble? <laughs> if you've been a little closer, they got you. So, <laughs> so if, 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 I'm doing, if I'm doing these principles, like if this is my daily disciplines, and discipline's not a, not a dirty word, it's a good, like I've told people before, like if I don't have daily disciplines in my life, as a Christian as a human, like I'm not going to live out my created purpose. Like there has to be discipline in my life. If it becomes religious, that's, prob that's probably my fault, right? That's not his fault. So discipline's good. And it results in me actually increasing in influence and being able, and God be able to entrust me with more. Because he, he only gives us the things that we're able to, to steward. Well, doesn't mean he won't give us more than that sometimes. I, anything that I say is not an absolute unless it's Jesus is everything in the only way. <laughs> okay? Everything else is like, you know, uh, it's not the highest truth. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> but it's higher, higher truth than I used to have. <clears throat> So here's some more principles. I'll rehash just the first couple, and then I've got like, I've only made it to the second one, so you guys didn't miss much. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock now. Like, uh. So this is the first one. I practice daily intimacy with God through prayer, the word, and worship. Simple, right? Daily intimacy. What your, what your schedule looks like, what that looks in your daily life, um, with your family, and this season of life is totally between you and Jesus. I'm not going to give you the scriptures to go with that because we don't, we don't have time. And I, I did preach it already, so you can go back and, and listen if you'd like. Number two, I make declarations daily that will empower me in the truth of who the Father sees me as. This is literally one of the best ways to do mind renewal. I not only declare daily declarations, but I actually meditate on certain declarations that I know I need in, in my life in that particular season. Because whatever I meditate on actually becomes the way that I think. And the way that I think is everything. Like what, what I believe is everything in the Christian life. Like it's always about what I believe and Jesus is always the answer. Like I think it's super simple. Right? It's just getting, it's just getting myself to do these things that will help me. And I'll only ever grow as much as I desire. But remember, Jesus' love won't change for me. It's just like, what, what do I want to do? You know what I mean? And we're all called to different things. But intimacy and these daily declarations that will bring transformation to our mind, help us become love, will impact anywhere that God calls us to. Any walk of life, whatever you want to do, dream big, crazy, scary dreams. Okay? <laughs> and then have principles that will turn us into love. So number three, I feed on the faithfulness of God and his goodness by meditating on testimony and reading books about revival. Psalms 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Meditating on testimonies is one of the key components to my daily life. Because I have two, two choices in my daily life. Is that I can meditate on things or feed on things that actually aren't legal for me as a son to feed on negativity worry 
things like that. doesn't mean I don't address problems. It means I just don't hang out there. Disappointments, all that stuff. And we usually talk about this in the form of healing ministry, but this is just good for all of life. So I, I feed daily. I have pictures on the desktop of my computer that trigger my mind. I have a picture of Lindsay and I because it triggers my mind of the faithfulness of God by giving me, giving me, you know, I married up. So giving me her. So, but I've got testimonies of Caleb. Uh, I, can, I can envision what's on my desktop right now. The little boy that was healed of autism, doctor certified, the pagan high priest that ganglion cyst disappeared, right? The Satanist that I got to love on and hug on two years in a row at a pride festival. The little girls in Argentina that I got to empower and equip in moments to see the sick healed, right? Th those, things are on, those things are on my desktop. They remind me, they remind me the, the crowd in Brazil where God came and healed over 400 people in a moment and nobody was a participant in it but the Holy Spirit. Like I've got those things. I got pictures of those things. And then I've got a whole list of testimonies that my mind is triggered to. Because what, when I start a lifestyle of meditating on the testimony, feeding on the faithfulness of God, what it does is it wears neural pathways in my brain where that actually becomes instinctive in any given situation that my mind will go there. Because of worry, fear, and those things are my first thought. That's okay. But it's not the way I was created to live. You actually weren't created to live in fear. We weren't created to live in fear at all. Oh, we actually weren't created to live in fear or worry because you know what it does to our bodies. So I'm all too familiar with that life. Like for years and years and years, and, and it's still at times it tries to creep back in where my mind will be triggered and it'll go to worry. And then I intentionally go to a testimony. And just it's, it's, it's a day in and day out thing. It's a daily thing. And, and remember this, that God's not grading you. <laughs> okay? Like, this, he's not like, oh, got a 97 today, 86 yesterday. Maybe you'll do better tomorrow. Like, you, you're, you and I have been graded through Jesus and his righteousness. I am clothed in the ripe righteousness of Jesus. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's the best news ever. <laughs> so... So, the other one was read books about revival. I know you guys, I'm not telling you to do it all the time, but from time to time, that's what I'll pick up a book about. I got one on my desk right now about the, the Welsh uh, revival and the Azusa Street revival. It's a little book. It may be by Rick Joyner. I can't remember. Um, maybe he just took part in it. But it doesn't look very big, but it puts those two revivals all in one story book, and it's just amazing. And so there's lots of books about revival, and I, I read them. Uh, you know what they do is they, they build passion and just throw fuel on the fire. It's amazing. And, um, and then I say, God, if you did that there, you only go from glory to glory. Like, so you don't want to do that again. You want to do more. Like, I'm not begging for a revival that came in 1904. Like, that was great. I celebrate that. I celebrate those people. I learned from their life the things they did and the things that they maybe didn't or we can do differently, you know, or maybe even mistakes that they made or failures, right? And so I learned from that, and I allow that to encourage me and empower me and say now and get really excited, and my hopes get super high because I know he wants to do even more now. Remember, he keeps on, what do we sing? He keep on getting better. 
<laughs> it keeps on getting better. So number four, I oh, no, nah, I didn't skip one. Okay, number four, I am intentional to stay connected to spiritual parents, mentors, and I am accountable to them by being vulnerable and transparent with what's happening in my life. Ephesians 5.21, and out, it says, is out of the Passion Translation, and out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love, or submit one to another. I know that sometimes, or somewhere in your life, you may have been given a skewed view of what submission looks like. And if it was abused in your life, I apologize. It was never meant to be a controlling thing or to be able to manipulate you or make you do what somebody else wants you to do. It's actually supposed to, when you submit, when you and I submit to leadership in our life and spiritual fathers and mothers, mentors, pastors, it actually is supposed to empower us and cause us to go further faster than they ever could. Like if it's not that, I don't, I, I don't know what it, <laughs> I don't know what, it, you know, submission is supposed to be. Like it's supposed to benefit us. And so that's why I do. I get with people that I can trust. Because you can't share everything with everybody. Not everything's for everyone. <laughs> Lindsay and I talk about that sometimes. Not everything's for everyone. But I have people in my life that I can trust my heart with. Obviously, Lindsay's one of them. I have friends around me. I have spiritual parents around me. And I get vulnerable with them, get real with them. And it's not just about like, hey, I'm struggling. It's like just checking in and having a relationship, doing life together, and encouraging one another. And I tell people this, and this is what I believe good fathering and mothering looks like spiritually. Mentoring also, whatever you want to call it. I tell them, they say, hey, you know, a handful of people may ask or have asked, hey, will you, will you father me? Will you mentor me? Will you pour into my life? And first I try to find out what that means to them. And then I, I tell them what I can commit to. So that there's, I like what Sarah said, uh, on Wednesday it was clear is kind. Clear is kind. And so I'm clear on what I can actually commit to. And then I tell them, I said, this isn't going to be just me pouring into your life and you learning from me because you think I'm amazing. It's actually going to be reciprocating because I've got things to learn from you. All right, we can always learn from the person that's in front of us. No matter how old or what walk of life they're in, there's always something to learn. That's called a teachable spirit. I never want to leave there. It's called humility. Right? It's where we're called to live. All right? We get low. He exalts us. So, number five, I make sure I'm always pouring into someone else, discipling someone as I'm being poured into. Matthew 28, 18, I already mentioned it. We, we go and disciple nations. So, if you don't feel like, you're like, I don't feel mm, equipped or like I'm in a place in my life to pour into somebody doesn't necessarily have to look like maybe what you've thought it should. It could be somebody that you're friends with where you actually pour into one another and you get together and you just pray, read a little scripture or something, talk about Jesus, fellowship, talk about life. And, and inadvertently, you'll be pouring into their life, all right? And so then as you mature and grow up in Jesus and you feel like, you know, not by your feelings, but you're like, yeah, I should be discipling somebody, you, you know, God will bring people to you. You don't have to go look for them. And then, you know, someone always should be pouring into your life. And I mentioned that last time, uh, or number four. So number six is I always surround myself with what I call truth tellers. People who tell me what I need to hear, not just what I want to hear. This is one of the things that I learned from revivalists of old. The ones that I've noticed that were amazing, 
that did not end well. And there's a list of them that did not end well. That we admire and we look up to. And I could mention a whole bunch of them that we have heard about and love. But the ones that I've seen that didn't end well, one of the common denominators in their life is they surrounded themselves with yes men. And they just, they're like, if you don't agree with me, we're not going to have a relationship. And I'll just surround myself with people who will only tell me what I want to what a, want, <laughs> what a, want to hear and not what I need to hear. And so we don't surround ourselves with that because that's not a culture of honor. A culture of honor means that we can walk together even if we don't agree on something. And it also means that I actually realize that I'm not always right. <laughs> you, you could have some profound revelation that gets filtered through some thinking that maybe just needs a little tweaking. You're like, oh, this came from Jesus. That's great. Run it through some of your truth tellers in your life and say, hey, what do you think about this? Healthy people who will tell you the truth. We live in a culture where people say, when, which this is not good. People give you a prophetic word and it's like half right, half wrong. And you're like, oh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. That did that person that gave you that word absolutely no good. Right? Honest feedback. Not mean or hateful. You're like, hey, this rang true to me. I don't know, really know about this. And that person can realize, hey, maybe some of my prophetic words aren't as accurate as I thought they were. And then they learn from that like I do. I tell people, if I'm wrong, it's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm, I'm learning. Like, we're practicing the prophetic. Like, we're practicing this whole Christian life. <laughs> and so truth tellers will help us stay on course. It should be people in our lives that we, we have intimate, honest, healthy relationships with. Right? You don't have to have a bunch of them. You just need a few. It's really important. Number seven, I pay attention to my heart health by being aware of how much hope is attached to my thoughts and immediately addressing any hopelessness or lack of hope. While doing that, I make sure to celebrate my progress. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the God of all hope. If I have a belief that doesn't have a hope or glistening hope attached to it, may not have came from the God of all hope. If I have a theology that doesn't have hope attached to it, even if it's end times eschatology, then it may not have come from the God of all hope. Right? I wondered why gloom and doom always rubbed me the wrong way. I feel like it didn't come from the God of all hope. Right? And so you work that out for yourself. But what I do is not just theologically, but just day-to-day life. Like, hey, I'm having a thought about this person or this situation or a situation in my life. It doesn't have hope attached to it. What am, right now, what's the truth in this situation, Holy Spirit? This is what I do practically. Because I, hopelessness is a, is a feeling, right? And my feelings are uh, a terrible master, but a great indicator of what I'm believing. And so when I feel hopelessness, I say, okay, or, or a lack of hope in a situation. and say, what am I believing about this person, this situation, in my life, that's not true or the highest form of truth. Because I believe that in, until we have like what some may call uh, delusional hope in every situation of our life, we've got more transforming of our mind to do. Right? And I believe it's a constant process. But in that, 
while we're doing that, I've found out the hard way early on, about seven or eight years ago when I started doing this, is that if I only focused on the places I had hopelessness and didn't celebrate my progress, it left me in not a great place. Because then I'm only focusing on where, where I need to grow, and I've so, I, I have unintentionally forgotten all these other places that I am growing. And that I'm not the same that I was six months ago or a year ago or two years ago. That though I may not have glistening or delusional hope about this particular person, I have more hope about them than I used to. Or about this situation or about my finances or about healing for somebody, right? We're growing. So God celebrates progress, not perfection. And so it's just a constant process and me noticing that I'm actually, even if it feels like baby steps, you're still taking steps, right? And so we celebrate that progress, and it's amazing. It's real important. It goes with thanksgiving or thankfulness. We were singing that song, Thank You. I learned this in the, when I was a couple years old, and Jesus, I just started to do it one day. I just started to thank God for all the things that were in my life, and they were super practical. I do it every day now, my health, my wife, my family right? Whatever it is. And I realized that my mood changed. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't realize that Thanksgiving was, would change the atmosphere internally or externally. But now we realize that. And so we thank God for progress. It actually shifts our internal and external atmosphere. It makes it more probable and easier for us to transform our minds. Because then I'm not actually trying real hard to make it happen. I'm realizing through Thanksgiving, since there's progress in my life, that God actually wants my mind transformed more than I do. All right? And so he already planned for this to happen. Number eight, I remain teachable by positioning my heart as a son to whoever the Father puts in front of me. Proverbs 12.1 in the Passion Translation says, To learn the truth, you must long to be teachable. Or you can despise correction and remain ignorant. There's actually, in other translations, it says, um, maybe not that particular verse, but it says, those that hate correction are stupid. <laughs> I'm like, man, I lived there for a lot of years. <laughs> and so remaining teachable is my number one, I believe it's to be a Christian's number one goal throughout the rest of our lives. Keeps me humble. Makes me realize that I actually, actually, the more I learn in the kingdom, the less I feel like I know. I told you guys this at one point in time, is that there were a Wednesday night not too many months ago, and I was sitting there, and people were talking about like kingdom theology, and I literally felt, I literally felt like I know nothing. And I'm like, what's wrong? I felt, uh, and like things didn't, like truth didn't fall out of my head. Like I was like, I just feel like I don't know anything like, of kingdom. Like this thing's so vast, so broad. So in depth, you know, and what I didn't realize that God was doing in that moment. And Dr. Susan helped me with this. And she said that uh, what our goal is, is to remain in the middle, right in, in the center of mystery and revelation. And this is a place that we call awe and wonder. When I start to fill the gap between mystery and revelation, we call that legalism. I know, that hurts so good. <laughs> and so we were created to stay all in wonder, and I believe the longer we stay in all in wonder, it actually causes us those so many questions that, that we have 
those questions just fade away. And we realize that they're not actually as important as we thought they were. Actually staying in awe and wonder of him is more important. Right? Doesn't mean if you got questions is bad. I got a few questions myself. But the longer I stay in awe and wonder, and I don't do a great job of it every day, but I'm 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 believing better to stay there every day. And by and the that's the result of being teachable. Like I've learned so many things from children over the over the years, especially in like healing and prophecy and hearing God. I've learned so many things from children. Um, and so I'm teachable and position my heart as a son to whoever, whoever the father puts in front of me. I'd like to go into more, but I am dangerously close to being done with this list. And I'm feeling real good about it. Number nine, I make sure I'm hanging around risk takers that are radical lovers of God and people as I make sure I'm taking risks often. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, the Passion Translation says, The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Thank God. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. I spend time with people who look like Jesus who take radical risks, risks that make me uncomfortable. And some of them, a few of them were there yesterday, uh, young men, uh, 420 Ministries. And these are the guys that I guarantee if I go, I go out to lunch with, I go anywhere with, that everybody is, is a target for love. It doesn't matter who it is. If somebody, I, I know, I, I know before we leave our hangout time that somebody's going to get left. I guarantee it. And it may result in like running somebody down. It may result, you know what I mean, in coming across a booth or whatever it is in a restaurant, behind the counter, whatever. You know, we've invited people out of the back of the kitchen and talked to managers on the phone of restaurants, you know, to see them healed. We've done, went in Slovenian club one time that now looking back on it, if I would have been, you know, not out of my mind in a good way in, at that time, I would have thought I may not come out of the basement of this place. Like it <clears throat> went in places that are, that are like movie worthy to me. Um, and it was because of the leading of these young men who are over a decade younger than me. Like, and I could be, I could miss opportunity by thinking that I only have things to teach them. Every time I'm around them, the risk takers, I, I remain teachable, like I said. You know what it does? It actually causes me to want to take more risks that make me uncomfortable. Remember, there's no growth where I'm comfortable. Number 10, rhythm of rest. I don't have a, a scripture for this. You can read Hebrews 4, though. I'm sorry, I added this in last minute. But rest is not something that I do on my day off when I sleep in. That's important. Proper amount of sleep, whatever your body calls for, is important for you. But that's not actually biblical rest. Biblical rest is ceasing to strive from the things that Jesus already accomplished, the rest that he, ent that he entered into and invited us into. And I realize now that I... I live from the, what we call the hard work of rest. And I just lean back and realize that he accomplished it all, that he wants to do it more than I want him to. And I'm transforming my mind with resting instead of worrying. 
and it, it becomes not something that I do when I might, I feel burnt out. Like, we have a place that we go to called Rest Ministries. And I went there about two years into ministry and just cried when they started to talk about rest. I thought I was there to get us a retreat center for, you know, a leadership retreat. God set me up in a real good way. And they start talking about rest, and in the office, we're just talking about what they do, you know, Chuck and Becca Lehman. And I just start weeping, and I'm like, mm, God might be saying something. And then I started to go see them every week or every other week on Monday, and Chuck would sit with me, and he explained to me, look, we don't want this to be a place for you when you're like burnt out because you've ran real hard, now you need to rest, rest real good, run real hard, now you need to rest. That's not healthy. That's not biblical rest, right? <laughs> That's survival. <laughs> and so he's like, I, I want to teach you, the same thing I want to teach everybody, is that rest is a rhythm. You get into a rhythm of rest, it transforms your mind, and you live from it. And I know when I'm not living from it, because frustration comes easier, worry comes easier, right? I feel exhausted easier. And so he taught me, and they taught me a rhythm of rest that I'm still, I'm still learning, but still doing now, years later, five years later. And I always say they helped save my life. Because you and I weren't created to live on fumes. Right? This isn't survival mode. And so this is thriving in every season, no matter what that season looks like. We were created to thrive in it. Doesn't mean it won't be painful, doesn't mean it won't be hard. When we live from rest, we'll actually live from the strength that joy gives us. Right? Joy, it is our strength. Right? And sometimes it looks like laughter, and sometimes it looks like the fuel that causes me to thrive in a season that makes no sense for me to thrive in. It's entering into the rest that Jesus paid for. It's real good. Number 11, this is the last one. And lastly, but possibly most importantly, I stay submitted to the process of becoming love at all costs. It's the goal. This is what I personally believe that I see in the Bible from Genesis 1 throughout the end of the thing. Is that we were created in the image of God to be like Him, to live in His likeness. We lost the likeness because of Adam, but the second Adam came Jesus and we got the likeness back. But we retained the image which was on the inside and still on the inside of every person that's not yet a Christian, regardless of their lifestyle. And through, through a born again, by, uh, from a divine, divine seed to a divine nature, incorruptible seed, I'm sorry, incorruptible seed, I guess a divine seed too, incorruptible seed to a divine nature, um, we actually were created to learn to let him love us. What I receive, I become. What I become, I actually release. It's not supposed to be me trying really hard to love the people around me. If you've ever made this statement, man, that person's hard to love. Remember that the Father's never said that about a single person. And so if they feel hard to love, then I'm probably trying to love them out of my strength, which is not going to go well. <laughs> so nobody should be hard to love. Doesn't mean I don't have boundaries in my life. Doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, I don't confront messiness and 
you know, have healthy confrontation with people that I have relationship with. That mean I don't have that stuff. It just means that I was created to become love, which love is unoffendable. If I'm still offendable, I haven't completely become love yet. And that's okay because I haven't. Right? But I look a whole lot more, more like love than I used to. And I'm filled with love and compassion for people like I, like I wasn't before. And so remember, growth is the goal. We celebrate the growth where I'm becoming love, recognize where I'm not, and say, hey, okay. And get with Jesus and say, well, I haven't become love yet in this area. What do I need to believe? Not what do I need to do? What do I need to believe that will actually cause me to become the very embodiment of the Father that Jesus revealed to us? <laughs> it's the driving force. It says it in in 2 Corinthians 5, and Paul's, you know, he's talking about love compels us. In other translations, I believe in the NASB and the NLT, it says love controls me. Love controls us. <laughs> like, I don't want anything to control me. I don't either, but if it's love, I do want it to control me. <laughs> like, yes, I want to be controlled by love. Put me at the top of that list. Because it's not control like the world it's actually what drives everything that I do. That's why another word for control in the translation is compel. It compels me. It fuels my passion. It drives me. It's what wakes me up in the morning. It's what I think about all day long. It's what causes me to love the person that others seem uh, to not be able to love. It's what causes me to be able to see through the dirt or the things in people's life. that You're like, gosh, they're messy. I can't believe they're doing that. And I see past all that stuff, and I see the image of God in that person, and I draw it out through love and empower them and say, you know what? You're worth his love because I was. And let me demonstrate it to you in this way. And all that other stuff I'll leave to Jesus to take care of and the Holy Spirit, right? Because he, he's a big boy. He can do that. And right now in this moment, I'm going to love you. It's what the world is longing for. Like all of creation is longing for the sons and daughters of, of God to be revealed. That's not just saying, hey, I know I'm a son. Hey, I know I'm a daughter. Like the revelation of that or the theology of that is very important. But the action of it is far more important. Because Jesus preached the gospel in his life, not just in his words. And then he turns it around and he says, you're a living epistle. Right? That, that <laughs> it's been written on your heart, the things that the Father wants to share with the people in the world. And now you actually get to be a love letter to everyone you encounter. That's what I believe it's about. I believe that is what destroys the darkness. That if you focus too much on it in our world, it will seem overwhelming. But remember this. I was thinking about this yesterday when we were in the tent. And I'll wrap up with this. I was thinking, Lord... Cover this tent, this 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 area that we have with the glory like it was on the temple. Make it visible, right? That's a good prayer. <laughs> and then he's, you know, he, he'd take my thinking a little higher. He's like, hey, you know, just by you being here, actually this whole property has been covered in light and love and glory. <laughs> I'm like, I like that better. <laughs> thanks Jesus for expanding and increasing my thinking right so 
as gross darkness covers the earth, remember that light is increasing. <laughs> if I ever get overwhelmed by the, what the darkness is doing, I just get, I need a, a good dose of truth of what's happening, actually, that the kingdom is an unstoppable force that's driven by the love of the Father. <laughs> the devil is not uh, uh, equal to God. He's equal to Michael, right? And can be literally crushed at any time. <laughs> he's, not, he's not running this thing. Love is. <laughs> love is his new name. Right? God is love. It's not part of his nature, not part of his characteristics. It's who he is. It's what heals. It's what delivers. It's what's set free. It's what empowers. It's what brings hope to hopelessness. It's what destroys suicide and depression and mental illness. And all of those things that actually cause people to live out of a place that's not whole. It's holistic Christianity or nothing. Spirit, soul, and body came for the whole thing. <clears throat> Right? And us becoming love at all costs, no matter how painful or uncomfortable I get, how much I may not feel like it one day, my gosh, it's not about me anymore. So many people that need loved. I'd go to festivals and witchcraft places and new age fairs and psychic all the rest of I will for the rest of my life. I'm gonna show them. We're gonna show them, right? It's the places I feel called to. Where do you feel called to to love people, right? <laughs> Where do you feel called to? What's your upgrade in love? What's gonna, you know, these principles that I gave you, these are just things that work for me. I'm seeing fruit in my life of becoming love. Like I said, it's not an exhaustive list, but what's yours? Do you have one? If you don't, I encourage you to make one. What are the things that you do? What are the daily disciplines? Don't let life overwhelm you. Don't let situations speak louder than truth. Right? Don't let get so caught up and I'm just busy, can't do it right now. No. That won't work for me. <laughs> we'll take a step back. I'm become who he created me to be, right? By believing better and letting him love me. It's not complicated. It's real easy, right? It is. It really is. Will I make the time? Will I have the disciplines to do it? Will I say, God, if I've got religious thinking still, would you please, please, pretty please? That's not begging. That's asking nicely. Love what Dr. Susan says. Sons and daughters ought to be polite. <laughs> so now I say, please, would you please get rid of that religious thinking? Right? I don't want to see through that filter anymore because that's not what the world needs. They don't need an encounter with religion. Or, right? They don't even need an invitation to church. They need an encounter with love. So they can become the church. Right? It's good. So if you would stand with me and pray. I went over a few minutes, but I finished the list. Getting ready to celebrate. 
ending my fast that I started after breakfast till lunch. Love, would you come? We need you. We need a fresh encounter with you. We need love to invade every part of our thinking. If there be any religious thinking in us, anything that we've picked up along the years of, of church that was just traditions of men that void the power of God, would you please just eliminate those? Give us a new way of thinking. Cause our our minds to be merged with the mind of Christ. That we may actually live from a deep place of love and compassion. Would you help us display to the world what you've displayed to us? Let us never forget the mercy and the compassion and the love that you displayed to us not just at the beginning of our salvation, but all throughout in our darkest moments as sons and daughters, some things that we may not even talk about to other people, you showed up with love in your eyes and mercy on your mind. And you loved us out of that place. I feel like he's doing it today. I feel like there's people in the room that need loved out of the place that you're in right now. Love's here to help. Love's here not just to lend a hand, but actually to do it with you. Love's here to empower you in this moment to to show you that you've got more in you than what you realize. That you're stronger than you think because of what He has placed on the inside of you. Because of what love has already done to you. How it's already changed you. How you're already different. And that you will never again be the same. So Father, I thank you for being love in this moment to each one of us in in whatever way that we need it. I thank you that that's what you always are to us. You're always love. Yeah, thank you. Would you fill us with the love and compassion that you have for a lost and dying and broken world? And would you help us not to, not to try to fix them, but love them. <sighs> that we would remind ourselves from time to time as I do, we'd look down. Realize that we don't have nail prints in our hands. That there's, I feel like there's pressure being relieved from people right now just by that statement. That you don't have to be anybody's savior. You and I weren't created to be. And I know what it feels like to try to do that. But it's not our job. It's His. Our responsibility, privilege is to love. And to know what that looks like in any particular situation to that particular person. Yeah, thank you for pressure lifting off of us to save the world. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you that as we receive 
that we will become more like love than ever before and that we will be able to reciprocate that to the rest of the world, empower them, that we would continue to mature in love but grow down in the sense of seeing the kingdom and like little children. We'd have eyes to see like children do in awe and wonder of who our Father is. That you'd help us daily to remain in that place between mystery and revelation that keeps us. If we've lost awe and wonder of you because of life, help us get back there, please. We need it. I believe there will return the joy of our salvation. So thank you for what you're doing in this room. People that are watching this, thank you that they're getting what they need also. Thank you for the tangible experiential love in this room. I just encourage you to receive. Just let him love you in this moment. It's the most important thing you'll ever do in life. Besides coming to know who he is and giving him your life. It's receiving his love. So Father, we just let you love us in this moment. We let you hold us and love us. Even if we feel unlovable right now. Even if we don't feel worth it right now. We are. I thank you that you'll take care of that stuff later. Just help us. Help us let you love us. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for making it easy. Thanks for not putting conditions on it. Thanks for not having expectations. You just love us because you love us because you love us. I pray that as each one of us go out throughout this week, that we would recognize, notice the places where we've grown in love. We'd see the way that the highlights or the places would be highlighted where our thinking has changed as we partner with you to continue to transform our minds with truth in love in a place of intimacy. So help us love the next person that's in front of us in our households, in our workplaces, everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name. Get the prayer team to come. Anybody needs prayer, need healing, you need anything else, nothing's too small, too big. Jesus wants to meet you here. If you need to hang out for a few more minutes or a lot of more minutes, right where you're at because Jesus is doing something, by all means do it. We're not rushing you. We're just letting everybody else go that's got to do today. It's a beautiful day out. We want you to enjoy family and do the things that you you desire to do. So thanks for being with us today. We're incredibly grateful. We love you guys. Hopefully this helped you today. And that we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.